mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode seven and today we're going to kind of catch up on where we've been since break we had thanksgiving break and um been back for a few days and we're just gonna walk through some of the things that have been happening in our classrooms uh and also it's really cold outside and i'm kind of excited to be inside warm instead, <laughs> instead of outside of running, running in right? 23 degree weather. more math before breakfast yeah so uh, Tracy has moved into elapsed time, and I am still dividing decimals. Yay! <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about last time, our last episode, we talked about how our warmups have changed, and our conversation this week really went back to how everything has changed, yeah. not just our warmups, but from. Sunday night lesson plans, which for me have now turned into Saturday night lesson plans <laughs> because I have to have a little bit more time to think about it. Yeah. And maybe because my kids are grown and there's nowhere else to be on Saturday nights. <laughs> so, Tracy, talk to us about elapsed time. Right. So, um, I gave a pre-assessment to see where they were. Which and, is something new for you. You like yeah. you were doing that for every skill. Yeah, or most yeah, most every skill. And and that's not really something I used to do. I used to just say, well, everybody's got some holes. We're all just going to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I did the flipped classroom and that was just my assumption. There's I'm going to say something in that dagon video that you haven't heard before. Watch my video. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my I didn't need pre-assessment. We're all going to watch it. Um, and then I was going to do the assessment after the video and see how they did. So pre- I did a pre-assessment and um, my data showed that there were like three kids in each class that totally had it. They had I gave them the three hardest problems they were going to have to solve and they got them right and they could show their right. work. And so um, that there was three. And then there was a chunk in the middle that had it but just missed something you know just made a mistake and then there was a a lot in one class and some in the other class that missed all of them or missed both of them you know um and so let's just stop and say that that's hard when you know your class is all over the map um but you know how we've been talking about sometimes how teachers have to make some instructional decisions about your curriculum um as in you can't teach everything amazingly there's just too much and um, you know right in in our standards so I went ahead and decided this is sort of a small thing compared to the other things I've got ahead of me I've got decimals ahead of me I have fractions ahead of me I have geometry ahead of me like elapsed time is one tiny little thing let's right. be honest so I made the instructional decision that I was going to do my very best for a few days and then move on that I wasn't going to um, belabor it, honestly. So I'm kind of going all around the, the question you really asked. But th- that was another just dis- like that was another thing mm-hmm. that that's new is that I'm thinking to myself, what's really important here? And I went ahead and made the decision that the last time wasn't as important. Do you agree with that decision? I do. And I'm wondering if you base that on your pre-assessment because you had a chunk that you felt yeah. like got it. And yeah. so to fill this gap, 
or to raise everybody up to the point of being able to answer. I mean, let's go truthfully, right? right? Yeah. There might be one or two questions on the test right. about elapsed time. Mm-hmm. And mathematically speaking, they have a yeah. 25% chance of getting yeah. it right. So yeah. you gave it your all, right. but you gave it your all for a short amount of time yeah. because... Mathematically yeah. speaking, it's not right. that that much of... You, and and also another with thing you reason not just for the test that's not the only reason you make your instructional decision to like lessen something but the other thing is how much of what we do builds on that you exactly. know and and elapsed time you kind of get it if, as far as I know like that's it there's not really a next step so much you, you know? know so maybe that's not so different from the instructional decisions that my teachers made. I didn't learn to tell time until I was in 11th grade. Whoa. Because it was taught and it was tested and then it just went away. Yeah. And I failed every single telling time test through elementary school. Yeah. Wow. And I remember, like, I remember being in class in high school looking at the clock at almost three o'clock and thinking it's not three o'clock yet but that hand is on the three yeah yeah it was just like I mean I'm sure I was told that right but you didn't get it I didn't get it and I just used digital yeah right and now kids have iPhones and Mm -hmm. ask Siri exactly (laughs) so I think there are things that teachers make instructional decisions about and I don't think it's wrong I mean, it's unfortunate that that was me. And then, yeah. you know what that did to my instructional decisions? I'm like, when I taught first grade, we were going to teach time until every kid could tell time. Yeah. <laughs> under my watch, you're not going to not know how to do it. Yeah. And I, and I, it's funny that you said that because I, that, that particular misconception came up over and over. There was a problem where it was like 10.55 on a clock and there were tons of kids who wrote 11.55 because they saw the hour hand was at 11. So we had that discussion um, whether or not they all got it. I'm not really sure. However, let me go back to last week and say that I also am thinking that this is the kind of skill that's perfect to put on my spiral review and keep catching them. You know, yeah, that's that's sure. the way I'm going to go over and over it. Um, when it comes down to the teaching of it, I my main thing that was different is that I started with a worthwhile task instead of starting with this is how to do it or watch my video or mm-hmm. anything. So um, I actually found this task in a out of an um, NCTM magazine, you know, out of their their journal, the the practitioner one teaching children mathematics, I think. And someone had just written about what is a worthwhile task. And the example that they used was elapsed time. And they were like, here, wow. this is how, you know, this is how we used to do it. Well, let's turn it into a task. So I'm like, well, daggone, I'm going to use this task that someone put some time into doing. So I would I would recommend it and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but basically, you tell them that the principal wants a new schedule for the school day and it gave some parameters or some criteria that they had to meet there had there were eight things that they had to put on the schedule nothing could be less than 10 minutes long and nothing could be more than an hour and 10 minutes long and lunch had to be a certain start at a certain time and then um 
be a certain amount of time long. And so they had to fit in the schedule. And so a lot of them change where they put their lunch, like go back and change things because of lunch, or they would have to, oh, shoot, I have, you know, gym is two hours long. Like I had to go back and change that. Um, And then a part that I'd never seen in a task before, but why not, was that you, you rearranged them into heterogeneous groups of three and they had to compare their schedules and they had like discussion questions that they had to answer and that's where they ended up doing the elapsed time like well how long is your lunch oh my lunch or how long is your gym or whatever mine's 37 minutes how long is yours it's an hour and 10 minutes what's the difference between those so that the 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 task in the magazine already had some cool um questions written in there and then i will say i followed that up the next day or yeah, I think, or maybe two days later, I don't know, with, like, um, well, we shared their solutions, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I, I walked around, this is new too, I walked around and was listening to them talk about how they did it, and, or watch how they did it, and so then I selected certain students to share their strategies in front of the group, and then we kind of made those the examples that moving forward into the practice part, hey, remember how this person did it, remember how this person did it. Um, I have, can I share one more thing? Yeah. I feel like I'm talking too much about no, it, I mean, but I, I, didn't, I didn't tell you about this. So I framed my whole week to them with the words making thinking visible, and I Instead of saying, show your work, right? Right. Are we over that? I kept saying to them, elapsed time, you know, if you just say, oh, I just counted in my head, then I can't help you find your mistake. So if you make your thinking visible on the paper, then I can look at it and or someone else can look at it or you can look at it and um, figure out where your mistake was. Can we talk about the difference in those words, show your work and make your thinking visible? Because for me... I've already said, like, I remember second grade subtraction being hard Mm -hmm. and showing my work meant show the lines where you regrouped. Mm -hmm. That was show your work. Yeah. And then fast forward me out of second grade and now teaching fifth grade and having learned all these different ways that we can subtract. Mm -hmm. When I said show your work. I really was saying, make your thinking visible. Yeah. And it might not look like regrouping at all. Yeah. And so you're giving your students that opportunity to prove what we already know, that God created every single one of us different. And we approach problems and we solve problems differently. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this world such a great place is that not everybody thinks the same way. So. Just changing the way you say it, yeah, make your thinking visible, sounds like my teacher's really interested in me, yeah, not just interested in what she's taught and that I'm doing it the way she taught and it. And following that procedure exactly the same way. So I think that that's like the connotation of show your work. Yeah. I've showed you how to show your work. Now do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember David in class saying, Mrs. E, that's how I think about subtraction. And then I always went back and crossed him out and put my regrouping. And I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah. So he was showing work that he wasn't using. Yeah. I'm still finding some of them doing that on elapsed time. And I'm like, did you really work this way? And, you know, 
but we're getting there, you know, that there it's getting there. So what I one of the things I did to kind of try to draw bring that home is I asked Adelie, my daughter, to solve a problem for me on paper. And I'm like, Adley, I'm working on making your thinking visible. So you've got to really show your thinking. And she did it. She did a beautiful job. It was jumping all the what's the lapse time, amount of lapse time from like 728 in the morning all the way to 515, which is how long often we're at school. <laughs> and so nine hours and some minutes. <laughs> um, and she did a beautiful number line with jumps and they were labeled and everything. And then I popped that up on the board without the question, just the work. And I'm like, let's let's analyze her. She's a year older than you guys. Did she do it? Did she make her thinking visible? Do you know what question she was answering? Mm. Can you find out what she was doing? Could it have been better? And it was cool for them to like, I think they enjoyed, you know, analyzing or judging someone else's work. And they were able to figure it out. They clearly knew what problem she was solving based on you know, the steps that she'd showed. It was really cool. So then they ended up using, a lot of them ended up using her format when they were having to make their thinking visible on the next couple problems. So there's elapsed time. We're moving on though. Right. We're moving on. So after you did elapsed time, then you were super excited about decimals because of your pre-assessment. Yeah. On the same pre-assessment, I put, I had three elapsed time questions and then I knew I was going to quick go into decimals. So I didn't want to make it a wait another day to do an assessment. So I put seven decimal questions on it and they came from my decimal basics video when I, back when I did um, flip classroom, like just the, the, the questions were just about like, what here's a model what is this decimal can you read this decimal i wrote this one in number form can you write it in word form what's the place value just that like very basic that stuff that feels very dry right um and no one got more than two or three right and it's almost like the ones they got right were just out of luck even Hmm. Um, most people got zero right none so they're a completely blank slate. I have no one in my class whose mom or dad has like said, let me show you how to read this decimal. You know, <laughs> like, oh, this is fantastic. I, I came like, I couldn't wait to tell you how blank they were with decimals because then I really get to teach it from the beginning. Yeah. You know, that's so cool. Um, so we we talked a lot about how to, where to start in, mm-hmm. our, in our run. And we were going to start with sharing. Right. You they explain you explain what we were going to do or even remember. Yeah. So it's it was just hard because how we've well, for me, I can't start with a blank slate because they come in knowing. Yeah. Oh, so we were going to do you were going to slice the cheese. Yeah. And show them because I did that with long division. Mm hmm. And it's really fun mm-hmm. in a middle school class when the teacher's like, oh, you have to cut the cheese. Yeah. Um, We're talking about like a slice of American cheese that because it's a square and it's easy to cut into 10 strips and then cut those 10 strips into a into hundredths. Right. And then I always tell my students when we're doing that activity that I am identifying who is going to be a surgeon (laughs) and who I would be okay with (laughs) inside and who I would not be. Because some of them are just they can't cut a straight line. It's just a great activity for them to see. And I use it for division when you have repeating decimals. And so we actually have that slice of cheese that we are sharing with three people. But 
our job is at a base 10 factory and you can only cut it into tens yeah. or hundreds or thousands. Um, so we talked about you starting there. Yeah. Cause but, that's what, where I've started before. Right. Um, because you can say this is a hole and we're going to cut it into 10 pieces. Mm-hmm. But again, it was, that's not a task. That's not something that they have a need for. It's and that's not real re- life. Yeah. So then we decided what could be real life. So we were sharing and whatever we were sharing. But then it was kind of like, but if you're sharing, then you would share with four, put it in fourths or put it in fifths. And so what is it that... When you shared, it could only be decimals. And that's when you came up with, what if we did unit prices? So Well, yeah, at first it was going to be like just sharing money. I don't know, like grandma gave you $2. How how can you share it with your six siblings or whatever? But it just felt dumb. Like who should really share $2 in real life? You'd just be like, I'll keep one, you keep one. Okay, whatever. You know, you don't really do that. So I was reading through, I was, I was researching. Like I looked up different. I looked in my books. I looked on, um, you know, I, I think I probably searched Twitter hashtag mitboss decimals, you know, something like that. And who the heck knows where I came up with it. But decimal unit prices makes a lot of sense because that's a real life example where you go, you know, from holes down into decimals. So, man, I wish I knew what, what led me to that, um, revelation but whatever it, it happened so my I'm gonna not try to take forever to tell you about the task but I'm excited about the task <laughs> so um I I pretended kind of following along with our principal asked us to do the, the right. um schedule I said our principal we're pretending I said it like 10 times we're pretending we're pretending then they still asked me is this real are really we gonna do this <laughs> no we're pretending <laughs> um she asked us, she wants to like have a reward at the end of the school year and um, she wants to take kids who make made the reward or meet the requirements somewhere and she wants to give them some, she wants to beat them. So what are some fun things that kids in our town can do and or in our city and then where would kids want to go to eat? So I, you know, I built up the excitement a little bit, but the task ends up being here's the price at three different places, Fun Quest, which is like our skating place and... Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. Um, The movie theater, like the cheap movies, and then Jump, like our trampoline park. And then here are three food prices, so Little Caesars and Chick-fil-A and Subway. And for each one, I wrote the package deal that the place was willing, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes, but like that the place was willing to give us. But each one of them had different numbers of people that they quoted us the package deal for. So one place had quoted it for 15 people. And one place, the movie theater quoted it for 242 people because that's how many could sit in the theater. And another one quoted it for 150 people. And um, so they had to work out the unit, like the per, per, I didn't use that word, unit price, but they had to work out the how much does it cost for one kid. Right. Um, and so there were so many good things about it, Ruth. I don't want to bore everybody though. (laughs) So I'll just go straight to the whole point of it, which is that the, um, the sub, the subway big giant three foot sub was $12 for 50. No, was $50 for 12 kids. So one sub cost $50 and 12 kids could eat it. So when you start to divide that 50 divided by 12, First, you get that it goes in four times, right? So, so right. that's four dollars per sub, 
And then you have this remainder two. So we had this, every group was like, what do I do now? They got here and they were like freaking out. So my next question was, what is the two? What is the two? Is that two people? Is that two cents? Is that two dollars? I mean, I didn't even give them the, I, that question, that many examples, but mm-hmm. I just said, this is to what? To what? And most of them would say it was two dollars. Sometimes they thought it was two cents, but we, I'd kind of work them back into it was two dollars. And then we're like, well, what are you going to do about that? And, and they were like, okay, well, let's break it into the 12 groups. You know, we've talked enough about division as sharing that they could kind of see that, you know, share it mm-hmm. among them. And then they would struggle and they would get a little bit close. They'd do 10 cents to each person. They Basically, they'd get all the way to it's not 16. It's not $4.16. And it's not $4.17. What do I do? And then they had this like, oh, my gosh, Miss Prophet. It was just so funny how like group after group after group just walked right into that trap or hole <laughs> of like, it doesn't work. You know, they were kind of mad. Um, and I would be like, that's it. You, you figured it out. You figured out why we're doing this. Like you walked right into my hole, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they kind of looked at me like, you're so weird. <laughs> um, but I, I would just be like. You did all the thinking at this point that I need you to do. That's that's the point. You're you're there. Um, can you just wait till we talk about it in the whole group? You know, and then I'd move them on to the next thing. But um, that just was so cool to make them need pieces smaller than hundredths. You know, they don't have they don't call them hundredths yet. They call them pennies because mm-hmm. we get down to we have eight pennies left over. And how am I going to take these eight pennies and share them with 12 people? Um, and so they'd start to say things like, how about a, let's cut the pennies in half? I mean, they all said that or let's throw them away. Let's ignore them. Or somebody said mini pennies. <laughs> that was not cute. Um, so then we talked about that in the whole group. And I have to say that that's the part where I clearly need to improve is the sharing afterwards. It's so hard to pick the right kids to share because I I ended up picking – in one class, I ended up picking the ones that I thought had it, and then they didn't have it, and they – they confused everybody and you only have such a short amount of like attention span of the kids that don't know it yet. You know, the kids who've already walked through all that are following you and they're really excited about it. But there's the other half or so that didn't walk into that trap. And if you pick the wrong kid who is going to like get it wrong or take the long way around, you're going to lose half of the room. And that's what happened in my second class. I'm going to just admit that right there that I kind of bombed in who I picked. Have you done much of that, like sharing strategies at the end? Have you tried that yet? So I did that this week. Um, I just had a flat on the board and then I took, it was just like the one that was made of paper. So a base 10 flat. Mm-hmm. And then I had just cut it diagonal and turned it into a parallelogram. Okay. And I just wrote, what do you notice? What do you wonder? And the whole point was the area of these are the same. Mm, Cool. And that was kind of what I wanted them to wonder Uh because, you know, our essential question is about area and here's a notice and wonder. Uh Um, And I I did. I chose some kid who 
I thought didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And he did. And he was just like, well, I didn't really wonder anything because you just cut it diagonal and put it together. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, that's not what I needed. I needed that whole what I've had in five other classes. And that's kind of the benefit of me teaching it yeah. six times is by the end, I have it. And yeah. man, if you're in that last period class, there's so much excitement. We were talking <laughs> about finding the area is the base and the height. And so I just said to them, here's your square. Where's your base? Where's your height? First of all, I had to like give them a whole, you are now in middle school and length and width are kind of going away mm-hmm. and they're going to be replaced with base and height. Okay. Let's talk yeah. about why. Yeah. Um, which led us into, can you find the base? So where's the height? And of course they picked the slanted lines on the parallelogram. Mm-hmm. So lots of vocabulary, lots of conversations. But right. when I pulled that parallelogram in half, because I had cut it and just put it up there with magnets. And so I was able to just slide it and show them. So many students were like, what? Um, That's cool. But you're right. If you pick, if you pick the wrong student, or you're not paying close enough attention, and I feel like that's a big change for me too, because in that task you were doing, quote unquote, could be independent work, right? That's mm-hmm. the whole idea mm-hmm. is that you're not teaching; they are, right? But your job as a teacher has become harder at that point because yeah. it's almost like you have to walk around with a notepad which I was yeah instead like there's this mentality of okay today they're working in their textbooks they're solving these problems I'm gonna sit at my desk and if they have a question they can come ask me Mm -hmm. when you're giving them a task you're teaching more than you ever taught because you're preparing yourself for that yeah and you have to listen like we keep going back to you have to listen to their math and not so much their you can't be managing so much because you're going to miss the math if you mm-hmm. don't um and i just i i learned my lesson like i i listened this time you know and i did slow down and i did take longer with each group and i have cool really cool notes that you know of things that they said that were awesome um but i didn't i didn't think about which group solved it in a way that's accessible to everybody that I want everyone to hear? That's what I should have done in this particular case and, and let that group share. I I jumped all the way around and it was hmm. a hot mess at the end. But that's okay. It's learning. Oh, for sure. And I'm wondering if there's merit in, I haven't tried it, just thought of it, saying to that group Ooh, what you just said. I'm going to call on you during group mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And I'd like you to say that. So yeah. if you'd like to write down what you just said so you could say the same so they're thing. prepared. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good thought. Um, So now I – so Dan Mayer has that, that thing about math is the – no, math's not the headache. Right. You, you want to create the headache and then math is the aspirin. So what that means is you want to um, – create some need for them to need the next thing mm-hmm. and that, that they don't know. So that's really what I think I did yesterday. And I even said that at one point, like, 
we're going to, you know, today you're like, oh, I need something smaller than a penny. Tomorrow we're going to talk about what that is and how how our money system doesn't have it, but our number system does have something smaller than a penny. So that's what I'm going into today. Um, I just want to tell you about something I'm excited about. (laughs) I don't know that it's really like amazing, fantastic math pedagogy, but um, I had some student teachers and we've talked a little bit about that, Mm -hmm. that I had like um, over the course of this semester, I think I've had 11 practicum students in my class. And one of them did a lesson with Nearpod. And do you know what that is? I So I've heard of Nearpod and I've been to a conference where I could Ooh. learn to use Nearpod. Yeah. But I haven't used Nearpod. Okay. Well, um, at first I thought it was just like this thing that allows you to put the PowerPoint that you're doing in front of them on the screen. But my student teacher showed me that it's a lot more than that because you can put in um, interactive features as you go through. So she she, we, she was teaching about static and she said, draw as her like opener, draw an example of where you've experienced static before. And they draw it like with their finger on the mouse pad, they draw it on the thing. And then she po- was able to pop their pictures up on the board. It was really cool. Um, and then she had like a poll and different you know this is a question she had different things like that and she's like it's so easy here's this college girl teaching me I'm like okay 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 I'll do it (laughs) so I finally today I'm you know kind of introducing decimal place value in a fun in a in a very conceptual way not Mm -hmm. just like this is the tenth place this is the hundredth place I mean I'm not going to go into like all my background of how I'm doing that but it's very different from how it would have been three years ago. But then I got to that point where you need to check for understanding. Can Could they read this decimal now? Could they read this one that has tenths in it? So I, I built that into Nearpod. Like I put a picture, a model, you know, and then it's the my Nearpod question says, um, write this decimal in number form and word form. And so they're going to type it in and it's going to pop it up on the screen. It's going to pop it up, I, I'm hoping, <laughs> without names. So I could like go through and pop up some right answers and some wrong answers and we could talk about it, you know, but it's a way that I can easier select who to call on, you know, like, so that just reminded me of something super cool that I found out. We talked about Desmos. Yeah. So you can do that in Desmos. Okay. And there is an anonymous button Mm -hmm. in Desmos and it changes every student's name to something like Susie Q, just a funny name and uh-huh. the student knows who they are but no one else does oh and so that anonymity is that the yeah. word that i'm trying to say yeah. Yeah. that you're looking for you could also do in desmos okay. now it doesn't mean that you can use desmos instead of nearpod it's just right. like oh yeah i just saw that i need to tell her yeah um so so my, i'm i'm hoping that i can it's a easier way for me to collect formative data yes you know um, it's got a poll feature. It has a quiz feature. It has a matching feature. It has drawing. Hmm. And they were they were not hard to create. I mean, I had a little like, you know, getting started, but I was done within an hour. And now I could make one very easily the next time I wanted to do it. So. And then, oh, and then there was a collaborate one, which is kind of like Padlet with it's just a looks like a like a cork board you know like a bulletin board and they are typing something and then once you approve them then they would all they could all see each other's kind of all over the place so i'm going to end with that like what's the new thing that you've learned today and give them 
they can't see everybody else's for a while and then I'll approve them all and they can read everybody else's, you know, like an exit ticket, but they could quickly see it. Um, Definitely going to have to look into that. Yeah. I, I, I knew that if I Saturday. told you about it, <laughs> I knew that if I told you about it, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to try. And, and here's my big point from sharing that is I'd seen it before. I'd watched a person like our, our tech person, person if she listens to this what are the chances but i'd watched our tech or our dart or what are they called it people. it person use it but uh, until i saw it in my classroom i i wasn't sold on it and so there's there's just value in um watching some a thing being used in the classroom with kids that br- that opens your like ideas of how to use something. So I'm really thankful to that student teacher who was like, it's not that hard. Come on, let's just do it. Right. <laughs> you know, and you need that. Yeah. I mean, that's like the whole circle of life too. Yeah. <laughs> when you are, I'm older and more worn out than you are, <laughs> but you need someone with fresh ideas. Yeah. Well, and, and so of course this doesn't just go with technology. All these new things that we're talking about in math, you need to see it done with students or even you need to see it done with your students before you're willing to try it sometimes, which is like a little plug in there for math specialists and math coaches. Like that's one of the reasons, that's one of your one of our roles that we'll have, you know. So I got a little taste of that math specialist thing. Um I led a conference of teachers over Thanksgiving break. Yeah. And hello, I'm super excited about what I want to show. And the attendance wasn't like not Mm. a lot of people came. Yeah. Probably because I called it low floor, high ceiling task and not enough people knew. (laughs) Jay's in the background like, oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Could have told you that. (laughs) Um, I should have called it like cut the cheese or my mom ate my Snickers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole point was I had a teacher who was there and she had come to I did four sessions and she had come to two of mine. And when she got to the end and I started showing her all of the websites that we talked about in the last podcast, yeah. I just saw her eyes like, I'm completely overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, like I'm drinking from a water hose. And she actually reached out to me and said, you had so much good stuff to share. Can we meet and you can just tell me what my one takeaway should be? Something <laughs> that I could try yeah. in my classroom. Cool. And so... We live in the same town. We just met at Starbucks, and she told me what she was teaching, and we developed a task oh, right there. You should definitely tell about it. It was really cool. It was that colored by number thing, right? Right. Talk so about that. she had given her students a color sheet um, prior to break mm-hmm. where you had to color the rational numbers green, and you had to color the integers yellow, and you had to color the whole numbers red. Mm-hmm. And she was frustrated because some of the students colored because they found the pattern and they knew what the picture was. Yeah. And they didn't really do any math. Yeah. So my suggestion was, we're back from break, color one of those, the whole thing green. Yeah. Every single box. Because they're all rational numbers. Yeah. Because the Sorry, directions did there. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure that your our audience was following you, right? So, and then color one that has all the integers yellow, and then ask the students 
if these were wrong? Because I asked her, I said, what would have you done if a student had colored all of these green? And she's like, well, I didn't take it for a grade, you know, but he's right. Yeah. And so her task was to have them rewrite the directions so that they would end up with the picture. (laughs) Right. That they had that, you know, was supposed to be on there. And we also talked about. um, Let me just say that that's the point of that is that's going to really get at. Do you understand what rational numbers are and integers and how they're related? Mm-hmm. Um, if they can clarify the directions, then that's going to see do they really understand it and not do they just have it memorized. Right. You know. The other thing that I asked her to do or told her that she should do, which she chose not to because she had already taught mm-hmm. rational numbers and integers, so they had prior knowledge. But I told her to take that diagram that you see in textbooks where – all the numbers are inside the square and some are inside a circle and some are inside a triangle. Right. And take the lines out and just cover the page with numbers. And what do you notice and what do you wonder? And have kids notice that there's decimals around the outside. Hmm. And wait, so you'd place the numbers correctly. Just all you've done is erase the lines. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then have them. What do you notice? What do you wonder? Well, I noticed that all the ones right near the center don't have any minus signs and yeah. they don't have any decimals yeah. and percents um and then kind of go from there like let them figure out what goes in each of those huh. um and you would have a kid who is trying to be like funny and say they're all numbers yeah yeah like that's huh. the point of it so there was just it was just fun to think about something different. And of course, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to do next year when yeah. I introduce it. Yeah. But you're kind of helping her think about it's that whole editing a task, like take something that's already been written and open it up some. You know, mm-hmm. how can you take away stuff? That's exactly the whole point. How can you take away things so that um, they have to do more thinking? Yeah. So I did a little bit of that this week too. Um, I'm doing decimal division, but. I, when I looked at my assessment, I realized, you know what, I put area on this and I spent a long time talking about the relationship between multiplication and division and area. And I hadn't done that. I had done a poor job of it this particular year. And so I did it and, oh my word, it was just so much fun because they got so excited and I did it with decimals, but the very best way for me to explain what I did is I just drew an array on the board that was two rows of six. Mm -hmm. And I said, I just write a multiplication problem for this. And everybody wrote two times six is 12 or six times two is 12. Yeah. We had a really small conversation of, is this two rows of six (laughs) or six rows of two? And so it was there. And I said, I'd like for you to turn it into a division problem. And I'd like for you to use the division bar. Okay. So like for long division. Right. Okay. Everybody got a division problem. So then I wrote it on the board, and all I did was, I think I'm going to erase the area. And when I erased the array, I left the height on the left Mm -hmm. and the width on the top, Mm -hmm. and I had a division bar. Cool. And there was a 2 and a 6, and the area was 12. Yeah. And so many kids got so excited, like... (laughs) Is that where the bar came from? Is that why we use that? I don't know. I mean, we've talked about the person who came up with 
the long division algorithm yeah. had a really good understanding of how division works sure. in order to create that. So maybe it was the area. But I only learned that myself two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a college student huh. who showed that to the students. And I was in the back of the room like, hold on <laughs> a second. You got to say that one more time. That's um, cool. And so then we moved into decimals and they made division problems. They made rectangles with base 10 blocks and had decimal divisors mm-hmm. and quotients mm-hmm. and dividends. Cool. It was super cool. So we're finishing, I guess, this episode we with fractions, decimals, and percents. Yeah, real quick. All real right. quick. I, I overslept this morning, so I haven't had a shower yet, Ruth. So this <laughs> is um, bath before breakfast and shower <laughs> today. So maybe we will talk about this on the next one, but that's where I'm headed. Yeah. And while we were running, you were talking about a teacher who came to you and said, I have to teach fractions, decimals, and percents. Right. And... I pretty much know that you just are going to divide the numerator by the denominator and get the answer. Yeah. And you really helped her with how can you make this meaningful and what can you do and how can you help them see it. Model it. Yeah. And model it. And so that's where I'm headed today. So maybe we'll just wait. Yeah. And I'm excited, though, that we talked a little bit about this morning before we started is that... I was walking you through what I did with the teacher, and then you said you're going to do the same thing with your students. That's exciting. Okay. But you and, – and you probably wouldn't have started there if we hadn't talked about it, or you think you may – maybe you would have? Well, we've talked about it this summer, so maybe I would have, but yeah. there was definitely a moment where I was like, oh. I know what to do. <laughs> yes. I don't have to spend so much time researching. I yeah. have something that I can do. And I've got – they tested yesterday, and I have two days – And, I mean, let's be for real. We're changing fractions to decimals and percents. And we just tested on multiplication and division. Mm -hmm. So multiply by 10, divide by 100. Those are kinds of things they were just tested on. Now I'm just giving it a new context for them. And I'm hoping that because we just tested division when I show you that or remind you again that fractions are division problems, there's going to be some connections. But I'm still going to start with let's look at this on a base 10 block. Cool. I can't wait to hear about it. Cool. All right. See you tomorrow for a run. See you tomorrow. 